This morning we're going to continue our study on the cross of Christ. This is the fifth message in the series on the cross of Christ. I just want to quickly review the first four messages that we did in the series and then get into what we want to cover this morning as we talk about the cross of Christ. In the first part of the message, we talked about the centrality of the cross. How that the cross of Jesus is the central message that we are to preach. It's the foundation of our faith. And that is the gospel. That Jesus Christ was crucified. We base this on the text from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 17 to 25. In part 2 of this message, we, in the series, we talked about the shadows of the cross. Where we looked at Old Testament types that pointed or prefigured the cross of Christ. In part 3, we talked about the cross and prophecy, where we looked at Old Testament prophecy that foretold what Christ would do on the cross. In the fourth part of the message, we talked about the wisdom of the cross, where Paul told us that Christ crucified is both the wisdom of God and the power of God. So God's wisdom is demonstrated for us in the cross. And we broke it down by looking at three key words substitution atonement and redemption how this is what God really set up on the cross when Jesus died Jesus became our substitute he took our place thereby declaring the immense love that God had for us or has for us Jesus became an atonement showing us that God desperately wants to have a personal relationship with us so he would do whatever was needed to be done to get us into a relationship of friendship with him. And Jesus became our redemption. He paid the great price that the justice of God demanded so that we could be redeemed, set free from the fall and its consequences. But Paul also mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 to 25, that Christ crucified is the wisdom of God and the power of God. So the cross of Jesus is the power of God on display or demonstrated for us. And so this morning, I want to talk about the power of the cross. The power of the cross of Christ in our lives. The power that God exerted and demonstrated when Christ died on the cross. What is it? How does it affect you and me today? The power of the cross you know, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, two things came into this world. Sin came in and dominated man. Man became a slave to sin. Also, Satan gained access into this world and began dominating mankind. So through the fall, because of the fall, because of what happened in the first Adam, all of us have been born in sin. And born in submission or under slavery to sin and Satan. But here is the power of the cross. That on the cross, God displayed his power. And he broke the power of sin and the power of Satan over anyone who would believe in Christ. That is the power of the cross. Released for you and for me. All of us, by default, identify with the first Adam. 
That's why we say, you know, I can't help it. I do this. I'm born in sin. It's true. You're born in sin. We are born in sin. We identify with the first Adam. So we do what we do. All of us identify with the first Adams, and so we are under the dominion, a domination of Satan in our lives. The devil comes to steal and kill and destroy, and he wrecks havoc in our lives, and, and we just seemingly are helpless against what he would do in our lives. But the good news is this, that instead of living from our identity in the first Adam, if you live out of our identity in the second Adam, everything changes. So the power of the cross is really understood when we understand identification. That is, in the mind of God, all the entire human race was in Adam. And in the mind of God, the entire human race was also in Christ. So whatever happened to the first Adam, happened to me happened to you but also whatever happened to the second Adam that is Jesus Christ also happened to you and happened to me and we have a choice we can live out of our first identity in the first Adam and say I'm a sinner it's true if you base your identity in Adam or if you base your identity in what happened to you when you got born again, you got into Christ. In Christ, sin is powerless against you. In Adam, we became a slave to sin. In the second Adam, we are set free from sin. In the first Adam, we become slaves to Satan. In the second Adam, we are set free from Satan's dominion. Amen. It depends on how you base your identity, how you want to live this life. If you want to live your life based on your identity with the first Adam, so be it. You'll be a slave to sin and in subjection to the devil. But if you choose to live your life based on the second Adam, that is Jesus Christ, you can walk free from sin and in dominion over Satan. And this was made possible through the cross of Jesus. In the mind of God, Everything that happened on the cross happened to you. You and I were in Christ on the cross. Just as you and I were in Adam when he sinned. Amen. When Jesus came into this world, he came to identify with you and me. He became like one of us. Let's look at some scripture. If you go with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10, 11, and 14. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Now, I just want to emphasize this one part. Jesus is the captain of our salvation. He is the captain, meaning he represented the whole team. He is our captain, the forerunner, the leader representing you and me he's our captain verse 11 for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren jesus calls you brethren 
he identifies with you and me. Verse 14, the first part. Inasmuch then as the children are partaking of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. We'll come back to the rest of the verse later. He says, just as you and I are flesh and blood, he became like us. He partook in what we were. So the point is this. Jesus identified with us. So when he went to the cross, you and I are identified with him. Amen? So everything that happened to Jesus happened to you and me. You were there when Christ died in the mind of God. And on the cross, Jesus broke the power of sin. Adam made us slaves to sin. The cross canceled sin's dominion over our lives. If you go with me to Romans, the sixth chapter, we'll read verses five and six to begin. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death. So he's saying, you know, you and I were there. When Christ died, we have been united with him in his death. When he died, we died. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So we have been identified with his resurrection as well. But let's look at the death part. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin it says knowing this know this the problem is many of us many believers don't know it but paul's writing so that we will know this know this what our old man this old sinful part of us, this old sinful nature was crucified with him. Do you know that you don't have an old man? This old sinful nature. You know, some people, believers say this, you know. I got an old man in me and I got a new man in me. Listen, the Bible so clearly says your old man was crucified with Jesus. You don't have an old man. It was crucified with him. You have a new man that is created in the image of God in righteousness and true holiness is what the Bible says in Ephesians 4.24. Amen. The old man was crucified with him. When Christ was crucified, you and I were crucified. Our old man was crucified with him. For what purpose? That the body of sin might be destroyed. Or the power of sin might be destroyed. What's the outcome? So that we no longer should be slaves of sin. Do you know you are no longer a slave of sin? Amen. Now I know us believers, being in church 15 years, Speaking tongues, but still bound to kinds, all kinds of things. Still drinking, still smoking, still doing things we know are not. I'm just picking one or two things, but we still keep doing things we know we're not supposed to do. I say, I was born like this. True. 
you were born like that if you base your identity on the first Adam. But how about saying, I was born again and I got free from sin. If you will base your identity on the second Adam, Romans 6, 6 is true. Your old man has been crucified and the power of sin over your life has been broken so that you no longer need to be a slave to any sin. What do you want to base your identity on? The first Adam that put you in sin or the second Adam who broke the power of sin once and for all over your life? Amen. Do you know that as a believer, you don't have to be a slave to any sin because the cross, the power of the cross has set you free from the power of sin. Amen. But pastor, it's in my DNA. A research was released two weeks ago. They said cigarette smoking is a genetic defect. Or alcoholism, it's in my DNA, pastor. That's why I'm so addicted. You know, Sunday morning, I put my deal, I come clean to church, pastor can't smell it. But Sunday evening, it's a different story at home. And there are so many Christians, believers, Year after year after year. Continuing their walk as Christians. Bound to one or more sins in their lives. I'm not saying you know, we all occasionally sin. But it's a different thing being a slave to it. And God does not want you to be a slave to anything. Because in the second Adam in Christ. On the cross. Sin's power over your life was broken. Amen. No excuses. It's not in your DNA. If you want to live by your natural DNA in the first Adam, I don't know what's in there. But I can tell you what's in your spiritual DNA in, your, in the second Adam in Christ. You are free from the power of sin. Amen? That's the power of the cross. The cross sets every person free from the power of sin. Because on the cross, the old man was crucified. So that the body of sin, this power that was dominating you, might be done away with, destroyed, so that we no longer should be slaves to sin. You're not a slave. Amen. But what must happen? First, you must know. Knowing this. Many people don't know it. Ignorance keeps us in bondage many times. When we don't know the truth. So Paul says, knowing this, know this. Since power of your life has been broken, you don't have to be a slave to sin. You can look at that addiction in your life. You can look at that sin that is constantly nagging at you, holding you enslaved. You can look at it this morning and say, I want you to know I am not your slave because the power of the cross has set me free from the power of sin. Amen. The next thing Paul tells us to do, he tells us in verse 11, he says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon yourselves. The word reckon is an accounting word. Simply means count as a fact. Reckon yourself. Count it as a fact. So for those of your accountants and those who do count, well, we all count money. So let's do a very basic example. Suppose you have 10, 10 rupee notes. 
No matter how you count it, it will always add up to a hundred. It's ten, ten rupee notes. You can start counting in the middle, go five this way, go five that way. You can start one side, go ten this way. You can start this side, go ten this way. Flip the notes, do whatever you want. Ten, ten rupee notes, always count to a hundred. It's a settled matter. So he says, count it. Meaning, there's nothing else you can do about this. Count it. Reckon, count it as a fact that you are dead to sin. Reckon it as a fact. This is a fact. You, as a believer, are dead to sin. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Count it as a fact. Many of us don't really count it as a fact. Because we've got all these excuses. I know the cross of Jesus. I know Jesus died, but you know, I don't think he took care of my dad or my grandfather. So because my grandfather was an alcoholic, my father was an alcoholic, I'm also born an alcoholic. Count it as a fact. Don't make excuses. Amen. Ah, but you don't know my environment. All my friends are doing this. So you and I do it. No, 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 no. This doesn't change because of your family. It doesn't change because of your friends. Nothing changes. This, it always is a fact that you are dead to sin. Count it as a fact. This truth doesn't change based on your environment, your upbringing, uh, the pressure you fit. Nothing. No, it doesn't change. The truth is always the truth. You are dead to sin. Count it as a fact. This is absolute truth. Nothing will change it. That on the cross, the power of sin over your life was broken. This is absolute fact. Count it as a fact. As long as you have reasonings in your mind that make you question this, the power of the truth will be diluted in your life. But if you and I come to reckon it as a truth, it will have the power to liberate us. Amen? So reckon yourselves to be counted as a fact that you're dead to sin. And third, he tells us in Romans 6, he says, first, know it. Second, count it as a fact. Third, walk in it. He says this in Romans 6. And in verse 13, he says, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin will not have dominion over you. Romans 6, 14. So now what? So walk in it. Don't present your members, your body, as an instrument of unrighteousness, but present your body as an instrument of righteousness. Get your will involved. Walk in it. So three things. Know the truth. That on the cross, sin's power over our lives was broken. Know it. Second, accept it as a fact. Count it as a fact. This is absolute truth. Count it as a fact. And third, walk in it. Yield yourself to righteousness, not to unrighteousness. Amen? Believer, whatever sin you and I might be facing in life, we got to look at it in the face and say, I know that you have no power over me. Amen? As long as you give excuses, it will dominate you. But you need to know this, that the power of sin has been broken. You need to count it as a fact. God said it, it's truth. And third, 
Therefore, I make my choice. I walk in it. I yield myself as an instrument of righteousness. Amen. The power of the cross breaks the power of sin over our lives. Secondly, the power of the cross breaks the power of Satan over our lives. Going back to Hebrews 2.14, again, familiar scripture for all of us. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death, that is his death on the cross, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. What did Jesus do on the cross? Through death, he destroyed, he rendered powerless the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. He rendered Satan powerless. He stripped him of his power. Colossians chapter 2. Again, a familiar passage. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Says this, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. Talking about the law that we could not fulfill. And all our offenses because of it. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So he's talking about the cross. Verse 15. Having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus on the cross disarmed the principalities and powers, referring to Satan, all his demonic hosts. Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers, it rendered them powerless, stripped them of the power, and he made a public display of their defeat on the cross. He triumphed over them on the cross. Now when Christ died, you died. When Christ triumphed, you triumphed. Amen? Because you were in Christ on the cross. He triumphed over all principalities and powers. He went there as the captain of our salvation. He went there as our brethren. He identified with us and then he took us with him to the cross. So that when he died, we died. When he triumphed, we triumphed. Amen. So as a believer, Satan's power over your life has been broken. As a believer, Satan has been rendered powerless before you. Amen. That's why the Bible tells us in Colossians 1, 13, 14, God has delivered us from the powers of darkness. He has translated us into the kingdom of his own dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our sins. How does this translate into everyday life? Well, we know. That as long as we are in this world, we will contend with sin and we will contend with Satan because they're all around us. Sin lies at the door and so does Satan. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to disturb God's plan and purpose for your life. You think Satan is not interested in business. He's only interested in religion. We think Satan is a religious figure. I want you to know Satan is very interested in business. He probably sits in the board meeting of all corporates. Why? 
Because if he can influence the decisions, the mindsets, the thought processes of those who make decisions, he can control and influence this world. So I never looked at it this, this way. Think about it. That's why when Satan met Jesus, he said, you know, all the kingdoms of this world I will give to you. Because it's been given to me. I've got all this in my influence. So you say, Pastor, during the week, I don't contend with the devil. devil. I just go to my place of work. But maybe in your place of work, Mr. D-Evil is present. He's there. To hinder God's purposes through you because you are a son and a daughter of the kingdom and as long as he can keep you neutralized ineffective in your place of work in your business you will not do much damage to his kingdom neither will you advance the kingdom of god so that's why he's interested in your workplace after all before the fall lucifer was in charge of the business of this world did you know that? Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, that was one of his jobs. He was in charge of the business. He was filled with all artistic ability. He was filled with all creativity. All those abilities were in Lucifer, the son of the morning. What happened when he sinned? He just corrupted everything. So his interest in business still continues. In this, his efforts in business still continues designed to thwart the purposes of God on the earth. Whereas Jesus told you and me, occupy, do business till I come. He has given a mandate to everyone in the workplace, do business till I come. So in your workplace, you do contend with demonic powers. At home, in the family, everywhere, Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. And you wonder why is this happening? And so many well-mannered Good, very sincere believers blame God for the devil's work. I wonder how that makes God feel. When he gets wrongly accused for what the devil is happily doing. And we are the ones who accuse God. God is doing this for me. Devil says, get more spiritual. Just blame God more and more. Just blame him, blame him, blame him. And he wrecks havoc in our lives. He steals, kills, and destroys. And we, with our religious mindset, attribute that to God. And so turning around and saying, hey, this is the work of the devil. I, in Christ, have triumphed over the works of darkness. God has put me here to contend with these things. And you heard us say this before. We are not contending for victory. We are contending from a place of victory. Because when Christ triumphed, you triumphed. You are already a winner. Amen. The cross in your life has set you free from the power of Satan. Not just so that you can barely make it through every scheme of the enemy but the cross in your life has so delivered you from the power of satan it has made you a winner because on the cross when christ triumphed over principalities and powers you triumphed in him so when you look at the adversary don't look at him like oh please don't bother me again devil now you got to stand up and say devil you know that in christ i triumphed over you 
He is the captain of my salvation. He won the victory for me. I come against you with the authority of the power of the cross of Christ. It's a completed work. Satan, listen to me. Amen. That's the authority given to you and me. That's the power of the cross in your life and mine. In the cross of Christ, you and I triumphed. Satan has been rendered powerless before everyone who chooses to identify themselves in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Many believers are born again, but they still live with their identity from the first birth, not their second. This morning I want to challenge you, because you're born again, because you believe in Jesus Christ, live from the power of the cross. The cross has set you and me free from the power of sin. The cross has set you and me free from the power of Satan. It does not mean that in this world we escape from sin and Satan. Because as long as we walk in this world, sin and Satan come knocking at the door. But when you know what the cross has done for you, you know that you can dominate sin and you can dominate Satan. Amen. Do you believe it this morning? Know it. Knowing this. Second, reckon it. Count it as a fact. Embrace it as an established truth. You can't change it. It's done. The devil can't change it. It's done. Reckon it to be so. And third, walk in it. Look at the sins that are besetting you. Look at the sins that are holding you down and say, Enough is enough. I am free. From the dominion of sin. Look at what the devil has been doing and harassing you in your life. And say, enough is enough. I am free from the dominion of the devil. He's got to listen to me. Amen. The power of the cross. is available for every one of us. Christ died for all. Everyone who believes receives it in their life. Amen. The power of the cross has set us free from the power of sin and from the power of Satan over our lives. Unfortunately, many of us do not know this. We do not count it as a fact. We do not walk in it. And so many of us struggle on, year on and year on. We struggle bound in, in some sin in our lives. We think we can never be free from it. But I want you to know that you heard God's word this morning. That, that there is the power of the cross that sets us free from every sin. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. And we're not here to be on the receiving end of Satan's schemes. Fiery darts may come, but you've got a shield of faith with which you can quench every fiery dart. And you can walk in triumph because when Christ triumphed, you triumphed in him. You are a winner over the enemy and over all his schemes. Would you look at your problems this morning? Would you look at your situations this morning? Would you look at whatever the adversary has done against you or attempted against you or is attempting against you? Would you look at it as a man and a woman who has triumphed over it in Christ and say, I know it looks bad. But I have already triumphed over it in Christ. And I'm going to walk in it. 
I'm going to walk in my triumph. I'm going to walk in my victory. Will you take a moment just to receive this truth, knowing it, count it as a fact in your life, in your circumstance, and then determine to walk in it. Father, we just thank you that your word never returns to you void. Even as it has been proclaimed here this morning, God, that the power of the cross breaks the power of sin and Satan over our lives, that we are people who can walk free from sin and in dominion over Satan because of the power of the cross of Jesus. So, Lord, we embrace this truth. We receive it. We reckon it to be true. We count it as a fact. And we choose to walk in it day after day in our lives. That no sin will dominate us. No power of the devil will keep us under. Because of the power of the cross in our lives. If you're here this morning, you've never received Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life. Or if you're watching this telecast and you've never given your heart to Jesus. I just want to take this moment just to pray with me right now. To open up your heart and your life to Jesus. If you will pray this prayer, your life will never be the same again. Just pray with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sins. Become the master of my life. And help me to follow you. Each and every day for the rest of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Is anyone here in this auditorium, you prayed this prayer. If you were watching this telecast, you prayed this prayer. I want you to know that your life has changed. Jesus Christ has made you a brand new person. Amen. Amen. Let's close. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.